Hello, and welcome to episode 21 of Into the Spotlight. I'm Morley. And I'm Ryan. Today's guest is a multi-talented painter and artist whose beautiful artwork consists of sweeping landscapes, wildlife, and the historic seaside scenes of the Gaspe Coast. Her amazing imagery evokes themes of nature, memory, and the significance of home. With well over 100 paintings completed and many more on the way, she hopes to continue to represent and promote this unique region of Canada to those within the community and those who live well beyond it. We are honored to welcome Stephanie Bond to the show. Hello, Stephanie. Hi there. It's a pleasure to be here today. Well, thank you so, so very much for joining us. Um, you're someone I've won, I thought that would be great to have on the show for a long time. I remember going to um, your little art uh, sale that was going on and just outside of Barishwal last summer and seeing all of your incredible artwork. And it was just so, like for me, for being back home, it was nice. But seeing your artwork and seeing you know, all these landscapes and imagery that I've seen since my childhood to be represented in such a wonderful, subjective way was just, was just great to see. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Um, usually my paintings uh, really bring memories of the Gaspe Coast from people who are away coming back to visit in the summer. Um, so I guess you would have been one of my main target uh, targets at a market like the Barisha Market. <laughs> and I still am. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I'm going to quickly act the layperson uh, because I'm sure many people listening don't actually know where the Gaspe Coast is. So could, uh, could you two kind of orient the audience? Uh, where is Gaspe? Um, yes. Well, Gaspe is on the tip of the Gaspe Peninsula. Um, I'm sure a lot of people listening maybe heard of the famous Percy Rock. Um, it's often showed into tourism guidebooks and commercials and so on. So we're at the most eastern tip of Quebec. Um, there's also like a place, for example, called Cap Gaspé. It is a small uh, piece of land where if you're there during the sunset or the sunrise, you're the furthest east possible that you, you can go on land in Quebec. Yeah, it's beautiful to live here. Um, Everything is very open, very peaceful. Uh, it's uh, ideal for an artist to be living here in the Gaspe. And your artwork, Stephanie, along with many other local artists from around the town and from this region, really represent that very well. Could you tell us a little bit about your journey of like how you began your artistic pursuits and how you kind of, how your studies sort of played into that and how it all led up to where you are now today as an artist? Sure. Well, um, when I was a child, I was one of those kids that was often very bored. So in order to, I guess, break my boredom, I picked up a pen and I started to draw. So I, I've been drawing as long as I can remember. Um, when I was 16, I bought my first set of paints. Um, so I am a self-taught artist, uh, aside from going to school at Dawson College for graphic design and having one or two art courses. Uh, later on, after a graphic diploma um, and living in Montreal for 10 years, I started to really, really miss the ocean. That's really the bottom line. Uh, two weeks vacation, three weeks vacation, eventually five weeks vacation. It just wasn't enough for me. I had to come back home. And I was fortunate enough to be able to come back home. 
Um, I think it would be like that for a lot of you guys listening. If you were born beside the ocean, there's something about the ocean that um, makes us homesick if we're far away from it. So later on, uh, and when I moved back here in uh, 2008, I was still actually working a graphic design job here in the Gaspé. Um, but I was constantly thinking about painting more just after working all day, nine to five, I was too tired to paint much. And uh, I had a small break into this job, which gave me a chance to paint a bit more. Um, so I realized that maybe working part time or a job which gave me more flexibility would be ideal for my lifestyle and give me a chance to paint more. So I guess I could say I'm lucky because everything kind of fell into place where I have a job, a day job now, um, working as a coordinator for a local organization. And uh, this day job gives me the chance to paint and be creative even during my work day. Um, still doing graphic design as a living, but I'm able to focus a lot more on my own artistic artistic dreams, I, I can say at this point, um, to become maybe a full-time artist, maybe eventually, maybe only when I retire from my day job, I'll see, but so far it's, uh, it's going good. That's wonderful to hear. And, um, it's, I agree totally with your point about like, um, have, being growing up by the ocean having just that memory of like, you know, when you move away, because when I was in Montreal and Toronto, like I missed it a lot, you know, and like, I love being in the city and everything, but there's something about being by the ocean, having the sea air, the salt air kind of like, you know, impact you. It's, I don't know, there's something about the ocean and the landscape just around gas that inspires all types of writers and artists. There's just something special about it that it's hard to put into words. I guess that's why we make art out of it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. When I was living in Montreal, don't get me wrong, I did paint but the paintings I did were more or less to decorate my condo. So <laughs> it was a little bit different type of paintings or maybe to paint something for a friend as a gift and so on. Um, but uh, yeah, the moment I came home, the moment I came home along the Gaspé coast, for those of you who haven't been here yet, uh, when you arrive to Rimouski is the, probably the first chance you get to see and smell the salt air. So um, that's the moment where I felt like I was home. Yeah, your your paintings are are so evocative. Um, I spent a I, I grew up in New Hampshire, in the U.S. So a, a little ways down the coast, but not super far from Gaspé. Um, we would go up into Maine, and that's a little more of a similar landscape and topography. Um, but you know, your paintings are so evocative of just kind of that feeling of the coast, like the openness um, and the airiness of it all. And I, I love one of the things I really like about your work, Stephanie, is the way you show clouds and light. Um, you know, there's the expression in Montana, like big sky country. And that's kind of the, um, sense I get with some of your paintings, like just like the vastness of the sky and so much texture that you can get from like various cloud formations over the ocean because you can see so, so far. Um, you know, as, and as well as like the different seasons, because, you know, the, the winter time, in near the ocean feels like very stark in a very beautiful way. And I'm, I'm looking at the who's watching you on your website, the uh, painting of the owl. And I look at it and I just feel like, like it's beautiful, but it feels very cold. And I can kind of sense the like, um, the kind of hun hunkering downness of winter and that uh, owls just kind of, you know, perfectly suited to the climate. So it's very evocative. It's one of the things I, uh, it strikes me first about your paintings. 
Well, thank you. I do I do spend a lot of time on my skies often. Uh, some of the paintings, perhaps the sky uh, takes over the rest of the painting, for lack of a better explanation. Um, the owls is a personal choice. I just I just love owls. Like uh, I have a lot of uh, owl de- decorations in my home, and I have a lot of bird feeders outside my home. I enjoy watching birds and. So um, the owls and the birds uh, come from personal um, interest, although um, nowadays I spend more time painting the ocean scenes, uh, especially um, little scenes of the coves, small beaches and and wharves that we have um, here on the Gaspé coast. We still have a lot of uh, fishing areas, fishing wharfs, but uh, years ago um, we had a lot of cod fishing industry. So I try to bring back memories for those um, more or less the baby boomer age group uh, who grew up down on the beach with their parents uh, splitting codfish. So often um, when I do sell those type of paintings, it brings back a lot of memories for people who uh, who grew up in Barishwa, but for what, whatever reason had to move away to the city, usually for work. Uh, so when they come and buy that painting from me of those local scenes, they're bringing back a memory of their childhood. It can be um, quite rewarding as an artist when you do a painting and you have somebody tell you, uh, oh, my God, you, you have no idea how much this painting means to me. This is like a memory of me and my dad on the wharf. Or this is a memory of picking lupins with my dad uh, or my mom. Um I've had moments where people have cried when they left with some of my paintings. So as I paint more, I realize not only what people expect from me or want from me, but I realize the importance of why an artist chooses to do art. It's not always for their own personal wall. Example, my owls would be paintings maybe I would enjoy more, but it's um, to bring happiness um, to the buyer. And you're exceptionally talented at doing that. One thing that's amazing as I look at your artwork is that is like you nail it on the head. It evokes that sense of um, memory. Even for me, it feels like a memory watch, like seeing this artwork and the, st- and the way you capture these landscapes and the wildlife and the, the maritime history of the region so very well. Like Morley just mentioned about you know, the big sky sort of effect, but also just the waves, the way you're ca- able to capture the water at different times, whether it's waves or it's calm, um, the wharfs, uh, just the, the colorful houses and barns that dot the landscape. It's amazing how you're able to do that. And just thank yeah thanks (laughs) well you're very welcome but just when you create this artwork um like where do you have is this conscience like you know this sense of like idea of memory that you're representing because i know that your father was a fisherman in his time during this era and like for people to see that to recognize that do you does that come up do you are you conscious of that as you're creating your artwork as you're you know kind of like expressing kind of like almost like moments of your childhood and sort of like representing it in that way it's funny because even though um, my father was a fisherman when he was younger, uh, I never grew up fishing. Um, but uh, my my grandfather was a cod fisherman as well, and I think that for me, it's um, when I go down to the beach in Barisho, for example, I I imagine seeing a hundred hundred and fifty boats there. Uh, uh, I like to think about the past. And I like to say to myself, gee, the younger generation, even myself, 
has haven't had a chance to really exper experience this, and if we don't kind of document it in a way, uh, it will be lost. So I think a part of me wants to, I guess, create memories for the buyer, but also create maybe a little bit of history um, documentation in my work. I'm not at the point yet where I did create any kind of books. Uh, for example, if I was to do a collection of um, uh, historic artwork, mm -hmm. um, maybe someday I could do a book and show or illustrate to the younger generation what we did have here uh, in Barishwa at one point. Well, you should. That would be an amazing book. I would buy that day one. <laughs> but <laughs> but that's, yeah, it's incredible, like, the way to tie all that. Because Gaspé, what's so amazing about Gaspé and Barishwa and all these regions that's throughout the coast is that it's so... Um, like like the memories of this past are all around us. We see it all around us, whether it's like the old wharfs or the boats or the homes. Like it's still around us, even though, like you mentioned, like the fishing industry isn't the way that it used to be. But, you know, we're still surrounded by this environment for it to be represented in our art and to see it in this way is a good way of just preserving those memories. And that you, in your artwork, you know, seeing it the way that you do is incredible. I had one painting I did for um, a gentleman. He asked for a, a fishing scene down on Barisha Wharf. So I, I found usually a lot of my older scenes, I do base them on black and white photos from the archives. Huh. Uh, basically, a lot of people share them on Facebook. So I just sometimes I'll just see one and I'm like, yep, that's going to be one of my next paintings. Mind you, I have about maybe 50 or 75 in a folder. That's going to be one of my next paintings. But <laughs> there's always that certain photo that that catches my eye that I can envision painting it in color, mind you, um, and making the scene come to life a bit more, sometimes adding extra boats or adding people into the scene. So I created this uh, painting and um, at the end of the painting, when, luckily before I varnished it, um, he, I was asked to paint the little boys uh, splitting the, taking the cod tongues out of the cod. Mm -hmm. So a lot of children back in the day, they would go down and work with their parents and do this all day long. So uh, obviously the little boy was was him himself. So um, sometimes it's just listening and uh, paying attention to what a person is really looking for uh, has helped me realize the type of paintings I'm doing from now on. Um, I haven't been painting as much in the, in the past couple of months. I'll say because of COVID, perhaps we're all a little bit slow motion these days. But when I do decide to do a painting, uh, chances are it's one I will focus on a lot more, spend a lot more time on it and make sure that it's probably going to uh, be sold. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're right about um, about that. Everything kind of feels like in slow motion these days. And I think all artists and creators kind of feel that to various degrees. And it's funny what you mentioned about like how you sometimes find like these old archive photos. Because when I was a teenager working at the local museum, uh, like when I was in the archives, some days like I scanned thousands and restored thousands of these old photographs using this old 1998 version of Photoshop. So maybe you might have found one of those somewhere along the line. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, when you so like when you find those moments of inspiration, like you just mentioned, and then you kind of just focus on that one painting. How does that inspiration come to you? And from there, what's your creative process like? 
Well, inspiration, I think, for any artist uh, comes from your heart. So, for example, uh, I'm planning my next painting in my mind. Uh, I've been planning it for a couple of weeks, maybe even a couple months. <laughs> but um, uh, it could be anything. For example, we have a problem here uh, in the world, more or less, with a lot of whales being killed by uh, boats and plastic and and so on. So there was a Facebook uh, post about a little baby whale that had died. So it's really been kind of stuck in my head to do a painting of um, a mother whale and her baby. Mm. Um, so that moment for me was like, yeah, that that painting has to be done. Maybe it won't be my next painting, but it's definitely in my list to do. Um, that would be a little bit out of the ordinary again for me to go back to painting a wildlife uh, because the last maybe... 10 paintings have been ocean scenes, uh, but doesn't matter. Um, it's, again, just follow what you feel and it'll probably work out. Yeah. I, um, I, it's interesting. You, I think you mentioned earlier that you had like 75 photos or, or ideas of things that you want to do. Um, and I think when I was early on in, in doing like creative work, I would have, you know, two or three ideas in a notebook and then I would pretty quickly execute on those ideas. But then as you start to get more ideas, that list builds up and you can't really do them all at the same pace as you think of them. Um, and I like that philosophy of like, you know, you, you, you have all these ideas and then at a certain point, like one feels right to go uh, actually start creating um, and like bringing it out of the planning stage. Is it, is it difficult to, for you at all to like keep track of all these ideas for paintings you want to do? Or do you, do you write them all down somewhere? Or do they all just exist in your head in various stages of planning? I do have a desktop uh, folder with ideas. Um, I won't say it's difficult. I think one day I just wake up that morning and I say, today I feel like starting a painting. Um, it just kind of comes to me any time. Usually I have to say I paint more into the winter uh, because uh, we're home. Uh, Gatsby winters can be a little harsh at times. So there's also a real peacefulness about in the winter here. Like in the summer, we have a lot of people visiting. There's always somebody coming by maybe to see a painting now and then. But in the winter, I know that there's no one coming to visit me. So I can really go into the zone and just make a mess into my painting area and not worry about um, having someone uh, drop by and, and, and see my messy place. <laughs> yeah. That's a very, uh, it's a very great space to be in when you want to do work and you just know that you're not going to be interrupted. Like actually just this morning I was thinking about, um, starting a project which involves a lot of epoxy and it's going to be very messy and I want to not go very quickly. But I was like, no, this is, I, I know I'm going to have some uninterrupted time this afternoon. So I should just wait until I have that rather than do a little bit now and come back to it later. Having those long stretches of time to work can be very valuable. Massively. And yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat where I have like these like stacks of like notebooks that are filled to the rim with like various ideas for like short stories or short films or, you know, even things I have to pursue. And it feels like, like once I have a stack of all these notes, like they're kind of staring back at me. It's like, wait, hey, when are you going to get back to us? When are we going to get started and get finished? It's just like, wait. <laughs> but it's, it's right. Like eventually, like at some point, this time and the stars align for you to pursue like a certain project and it just feels right. And if it feels right to you and, you know, like it, the, the creative flow is working and 
that's just great. That's just that's just so fulfilling, I think, as an artist. And a lot of times, like, yeah, for me, like having those like long stretches of time, like it's weird. Like I, I either do things like very early in the morning or work very late into the night. And like if I'm editing something, it could be like three or four a.m. and it'd be totally worth it. It's just once you're in that zone, it's very hard to stop. You're very hard to stop. But I love it anyway. Yeah, exactly. When it comes from your heart, it's like you don't even realize time. I, I'm there have been times where uh friends haven't heard from me for a week and I'm sure they're used to it by now. It's like if I'm <laughs> into the zone, I you it's rare I'll start a painting and let it sit there for a couple of weeks. I kind of obsess over it. So if I start one in a few days, I probably finish. Um so yeah, so a lot of uh craft dinner during those few days. <laughs> what what is i'm curious what is the setting that you paint in is it in a, like an enclosed studio is it windows I'm, I'm just painting as a as a practice i have so little experience with so i'm very curious what the process looks like and what your workspace looks like well my workspace actually is kind of uh three for one i'm working in my dining room at the moment uh my dining room table has become my craft art table slash office space. So I have my desk. I work from home now uh, since COVID-19 came to town. And um, so I have my all my artwork in my dining room on display if anyone comes to see it. Um, so it's a uh, it's, it's not a place we know we're no longer eating here. It, it's become uh, my space. Um, I guess uh, eventually I would maybe like to have a studio space outside the home, uh, but because we live in a country place, there's not really anywhere I could rent the space where I could just go to to paint. Um, maybe eventually we could um, come up with a project or something uh, to do something like that um, in our village. Cool. Yeah. And you also have a lot of experience uh, creating art and painting with driftwood. And that's something that really struck me when I visited uh, your, your shop last summer. It's just like, oh my gosh, wow, like I never saw anything quite like that before. Could you like delve a little bit more into like that side of your artistic creations? Yeah, there's times where I'm sitting down for three or four days creating a painting uh, doesn't come to me. So I take uh, time to do some crafts on the weekend, something a little bit more relaxed. Um what become really popular over the last couple of years was painting on rustic barnwood boards. So uh, we see this a lot in home decor magazines, the welcome signs on the porch and so on. It just became almost um, a hobby for me that I enjoyed. And also a lot of friends were asking, oh, can, can you make me one of those? Can I buy one of those? So it's become uh, something I, I do for the local markets more um, paint, bringing my my actual paintings to the market is uh, not the best idea because they're outside markets, so the sun can be really hard on the on the artwork. Right. So this is like craft material that I um, that I sell uh, during the summertime as well. That's really cool. Is that something you always had like a passion for that you're doing, or is it something you just began fairly recently? Well, the graphic designer in me has a little bit of uh, interior designer as well so i think that i i tend to go towards the fads of home decor so uh these signs uh coffee shop signs uh welcome signs they do have a graphic feel to them so 
it all kind of comes together with uh, my artistic, I guess, knowledge of graphic design, illustration, uh, mixed with paint. Uh, going off of that a little bit, I mean, do you feel like your your graphic design education influences your more landscape or your the the other paintings you do? You mentioned you did a couple like drawing courses, but I'm curious, like in the other more design focused courses, like how that has influenced your painting, if at all. In order to be accepted into uh, Dawson College at the time in 19, uh, 2000, year two, no, 1999, at that time, graphic design was really big. So uh, there was a lot of people applying. It was like, the the course to take more or less but for me it was just a matter of trying to find something artistic that I could actually make a living with uh, so in in order to be accepted I was accepted based on my my knowledge of uh, drawing with uh, ink and uh, pa- painting a bit at the time uh, so I think that it all kind of I guess it's like a puzzle it all fits together in a sense um, Yes, graphic design does influence some of my work uh, just based on the simplicity of some of the work that I do. Uh, I'm not really a realist realist painter in a sense. Um, if I add textures into the sky, colors, uh, patterns maybe, uh, I don't even realize that some of those patterns could be influenced by graphics. That's very interesting. Yeah, I think... I mean, I would assume that having some sort of formal design education would help you develop the confidence to do things a little more simplistically. Because I think as someone with like less formal training, it might be intimidating to leave something a little simpler or, you know, leave, you know, something a little more stark. Um, I feel like that's where you see experience and practice come through is, is those more like bold, open works yeah it'll, it'll come easier with time as well i think uh the last painting i did the large ocean sunset scene um there is a graphic sense to that painting um, using maybe four or five colors and working with those colors in the past perhaps i would have just used 20 colors and i don't know it just kind of comes together uh with uh experience um i still have a lot to learn uh, but I think that um, you can see how I I am weeding out uh, the good versus the bad in a sense. So, so on that topic of color, um, you mentioned earlier how the source material for a lot of your paintings is these black and white archival photos. Um, I was curious just about what it's like deciding the colors that are going to go into those Um if you go out and you know, walk around and see, get inspiration that way, or how much of it just comes from your own head, what is that process like? I think it's, uh, I have a love for uh, blue and green. So I'll have a, I'll have a lot of blue, blues, the ocean is blue, obviously, but I mean, I tend to uh, work with um, a closer, usually a bit of a closer pastel palette versus brights. Uh, now, but um, it depends, I guess. Um, if I'm working from a colored photograph, sometimes the colors are not as much of a challenge. I'm just working from what I see more. So I really think that 
the success with, with working from the archives uh, gives my art a bit more of a fantasy or a punch versus working from colored photographs. Yeah, you can bring in some of those subjective um, elements into the into it, especially because you know back then, um, it, or even just now, like you know the colors from you know were also varied. So especially growing up on the Gaspé coast, you can bring some of that because it feels like a memory, especially in a child's memory. You know things do pop up much more colorfully. So that's what I don't know. Maybe that's just me reading into it, but it explains why I like a lot of your art because blue and green are my favorite colors. So that goes a long yeah. way. <laughs> that goes a very long way. A lot of people uh, do enjoy my black uh, pen, black and white pen art. I just, I just work with a ballpoint pen. Mm-hmm. And over the years, I always have maybe I would say uh, one out of every 50 people that look at my art say, I really just love your black and white simplicity. Um, this was how I started, really. So I guess I always try to have a, a variety of mm-hmm. work uh, for every uh, person and every budget. Mm-hmm. And black and white uh, art is so it's just nice. Like I like watching black and white films. Like, you know, there's something about like just the color tones and the way, especially in art, the styles, you know, just so eye catching and engaging or something just so pleasing to look at. And it's interesting because like those sketches that remind me of like a, a lot of another local Gatsby artist, Natalie Shikwin's work. She's fantastic. And she's very good at drawing and sketches and painting as well. So yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of artists in our Gatsby area. Um, I think that even and for different reasons, we inspire each other. Uh, uh, in the past couple of years, I feel that, um, well, I've, I guess I've, I'm learning the importance of uh, what art has to do with uh, your mental health. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, it was always just a place to escape, uh, pass a few hours on a Saturday and so on, um, not even realizing that while I was creating the art, I was also... Uh, giving myself a chance to maybe de-stress uh, from my work week or so on. So um, it's great to see all these young artists like Natalie and um, others uh, coming up along the Gaspé coast. Um, there, There's really a lot of interest. Uh, people nowadays are taking the time to appreciate uh, anything handmade, hand-done, hand uh, more than what they were maybe Five years ago, for example, um, uh, it would be normal to go to Walmart and buy a piece of uh, artwork to stick in on the wall for a couple years. I think now people are really looking at where they spend their money more and realizing the importance of supporting local artists. Mm-hmm. That's uh, that's the idea of like supporting local artists and fostering these local communities of artists that are supportive of each other and from people who are just supporting art in general. That's something we've been discussing a lot. That's just like a good segue into like talking about the importance of community into your artwork and your own artistic style, because it it captures not just only the landscape, but the people of the region. And that's one thing that struck me since I came back here was just how supportive and, you know, how tied together the artistic community in Gaspé is and everywhere in between. Um, One thing I, I find interesting is that like how you interact with the community to promote your art 
and to share it with others. You have your own little Facebook group. It's not like a Facebook page like other artists would do or they just post it and that would be the end of it. You have a group and it's like you share it and there's conversation and you, inter- you interact back with them and there's this nice little back and forth. What's that like sharing in that more connected way? Yeah, social media obviously has helped a lot for any kind of art uh, networking. Um, with my day job, uh, I also do art workshops. So I have, uh, well, before COVID, I would have groups of maybe 10, 20 people coming out of the, at a time uh, to learn basic painting. Um, now, during COVID, I decided to... Um, make a YouTube page so I could keep my uh, online videos. They're basic. Basically I have three on the YouTube page right now. Uh, just basic, a basic painting. So you can follow along as I paint. And um, I think that having things like this available, not only for people in Gatsby, but anywhere um, is a, a fun activity uh, while we're isolated at home. Mm-hmm. That's something I was looking at that I like to try. I'm terrified of what the end result is going to look like for me, but at least I've, <laughs> I like to try just to see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's all for fun anyway. I mean, a lot of times people come out and they're like, oh, well, I, I never painted before, or maybe I, I painted a little bit, but I don't know. But once they, they start going, they're, they're really surprised what, what they can do. Uh, and um, I've noticed many times where um, I've I've visited these people perhaps in their home afterwards and I'll see their little painting that they did uh, hanging on their kitchen wall or so it's uh, something special when you create something on your own Mm -hmm. yeah it's amazing I must like be amazing to like you know that's one thing that's great about arts is that it can inspire and you know raise everybody up to another level and sometimes kind of like awaken a creative or artistic spark that they may not have been, you know, conscious of before. Yeah. Myself, uh, always been inspired by Tennyson Johnson. Um, he was quite, uh, I would say almost a master artist in my mind. Mm. Um, his artwork was just so humble and plain Gaspé scenes, um, local scenes such as two men sitting at a table, having a beer, playing chess, um, fishing scenes as well and heritage homes and so on so um, I think that it's important to inspire each other as much as possible um, in the end we feed off of each other right so I, it's I feel that we have a really really good community of artists here in Gaspé to to work together yeah, it is. I mean, it is one of the great things about social media is the ability to develop these communities. And I'll, I'll mention someone later uh, when we talk about who we're putting in the spotlight this week, but I've just found so many inspirational people who are doing work that I like could never conceive of um, before I just like stumbled across their page or someone recommended them to me, um, as well as people here in Toronto. Um, we've it, It's kind of funny. We've somehow started interviewed a lot of people in Toronto for this podcast just uh because Ryan and myself just both have lives in one respect or another here and I'm like wow I'm so excited to actually like hang out with everyone and and go to some of these galleries and events and things um that's always it's one I think one of my favorite parts about going to art museums is 
you don't re- it's very difficult to imagine art before you see it or art that you've never conceived of before you're like oh i didn't even realize someone could make color work in this way or like a painting like this could make me feel this way um it it's the level of creativity of that's just out there is is amazing and just how unique everyone is in in how they make their art yeah and just how personal it all is and the sincerity that comes from that as well and like just how that ties into their style and seeing like you mentioned people people be able to work with like color and shapes and designs and just subjective visions that you could never imagine but when you see it it's just so you know awe-inspiring yeah it's one thing uh, right now with with uh, the situation we're in with covid that we're lacking seeing things in real so people yeah. have told me uh wow, you know, like I've seen this painting on Facebook. I never realized how big it was or how small it was or it's so different in real. It's so, you know, um, it, it's uh, it would be nice to uh, be able to show all, all my paintings to everyone in real, but often a lot of my sales are directly off of my Facebook page. So even myself, um, sometimes I'll do a painting and in a day or two it's gone. Hmm. Uh, I only sell originals. I don't sell any prints. So um, once it's gone, it's gone. So <laughs> aside that, from a photo. Is that yeah. difficult at all? Do you sometimes feel like you don't have enough time to appreciate it on your own? <laughs> no, I have no problem at all. <laughs> it's a good, good problem to have. Yeah. <sighs> That's funny. But it's true though, because like even when you see it online, whether it's on Facebook or on your website, like these, especially the landscapes, they're so grand, they're so epic and majestic and they're so striking. I mean, especially if someone lives in Gasper who has visited Gasper or just been somewhere similar, like it's just so, it just strikes you and it's so immersive in a way. It's, it's really amazing how you're able to yeah. capture that. Uh, well, for me, I'm very proud of being a Gaspesian. I'm very proud of where I'm from. So I think when I do do a scene, uh, it just um, comes natural to highlight uh, how beautiful it is to live here. Um, I've painted probably 250 paintings so far. Um, hmm. uh, there have been a few I haven't uh, documented, but the majority of my artworks have numbers on the back. Uh, but uh, I painted about 150 in the past 10 years. So huh. there's a time where I was painting probably one painting per month. That's amazing. Uh, now, now I'm now, like I said, I'm slowing down a bit uh, just at the moment. Uh, but going with the flow, it doesn't really matter. Um, there's always, I guess, something special if I take my time more and create less. Uh, I think it's becoming more um, appreciated Mm. versus uh, somewhat mass producing in the past. (laughs) Yeah. And I don't know if either of you feel this way, but I've sometimes found that if I take time away from a craft, so like right now I'm learning to play the bass, like the bass guitar, and I'll have some great streaks of time where I'll spend like every, like 30 minutes a day for four days in a row practicing and then I'll take like two days off and I'll come back to it. And I like, everything's a lot easier and I can be more relaxed. And I think reducing your pace in many ways allows you to do that on like a macro scale. Um, and, and sometimes I, I think like with everything, like you have these fits of productivity sometimes where like we were mentioning earlier, you spend four hours, you know, 
a few days in a row and then you just finish something and it's great. But a lot of time you need to kind of follow the timeline that your body wants you to follow. <laughs> that's yes. That's very true. Even for me, like, because with the video work and some of the other creative work that I do now, because when I first learned how to do videos through university, you know, it was always like a tight deadline. You have like two weeks, three weeks, four weeks to plan, shoot, and edit something. That's a very intense process. And that's if it goes well. So, <laughs> so mm-hmm. like, if, even now, like, now I'm starting to think, wait, I have time. I can really take time to focus and, you know, have everything lined up the way I want to be in certain I'm still trying to break away from that sense of, okay, it has to be done now. It's just like, okay, wait, I can, you know, just take more time just to get it the way to a point where if I'm happy with it, then I think maybe others will be happy with it as well. And it has to have that sense of fulfillment, I think, tied to it at the end of, at the end of the day. Yeah, it's true. It's important never to criticize yourself too much. Um, everything you do is one step at a time and it's a learning process. So I know every artist reaches a point sometimes where they're uncertain which direction to go or they feel like they hit a brick wall and they they can't create for a while. Mm. Um, It's quite normal part of the creative process for that to happen. So um, I really think that it's just a matter of sitting back and, and, and taking it easy for a while doesn't hurt anything. That's very good. I'm going to have to note that down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but because you've been painting the way that you've been doing with your art and your projects for about 10 years now, right? Yes. So over the span of that of those 10 years, what's something that you've learned the most about yourself and the art that you that you make? I think I've learned to just like I just kind of mentioned uh, paint what Paint what I love, of course, but also paint with, I guess, an imaginary client in my mind. Who is this painting going to be for? And who will this painting make happy? Because I know when people buy art, usually they don't just buy it for a month or a year and trash it afterwards. They keep it for life. Mm-hmm. So I think I, I, I think I've reached a point where I'm able to focus more and not be all over the place wondering uh, what should I paint when just focus one day at a time and it'll come naturally. Don't stress about it. Just enjoy it. Yeah. That's, that's really great to hear. Cause I feel like I'm, I'm more at that point now where you're kind of like, what, what should I do? Stressing about a little bit, you know, young and existential. Um, but you know, there's nothing that replaces, just doing the work and you have to just do a, a lot of work in, in anything um, to get to a point where you can be more confident and secure and independent um, and, and sort of a little more con- consistent in a way um, and consistent in your approach and consistent, like how you think things will go. Um, yeah. It takes the reps. Got to put in the reps as I like to say. Yes. <laughs> Well, for artists, for example, a lot of artists have to try different mediums. Uh, For myself, I started with ink and then I went to oil paint. Oil paint, I I enjoy it very much, but have a lot of um, allergies. So I could only paint in the summer when I would have a window open. Mm. So it can be very toxic um, on your breathing. So I switched to acrylic. Acrylic doesn't have quite the blending, I guess, quality that oil does um but 
it dries so quickly. You can erase your mistakes a lot easier. Um, so I found that acrylic was really the paint for me. Um, but I still have my oils and my watercolors on hand. Every now and then I'll switch up and do something different. Um, I've never really been able to focus on an exact medium. Hmm. Um, but that's probably just the artist that me avoiding getting bored, maybe painting with the same type of paints every time. Mm -hmm. It's true. It's like, it's like we say on this podcast very frequently, it's a process. <laughs> it's a process. And I don't, I don't think anyone, even the most successful prolific artists did it in one medium exactly the same for their whole life. Like every, everyone changes and evolves and needs to keep it fresh in some way. Um, I mean, some, some people will look at an artist's career and say they were great in this period and then things went sideways and then it was, everything was terrible because all every, most artistic people, musicians, especially, right? Like how many, you know, strong opinions there are about this band was great up to 1970 and then everything went sideways because they, they, everyone just gets bored at a certain point and wants to keep evolving and changing. Hmm. And that's I. That is something I really appreciate in in some of my favorite artists. Is I really love an album that they put out, and then they come out with a new album, and I listen to it. And I'm like, I don't really know what I think about this, but then I'll keep listening, and then you realize, like, over time, and maybe even a year later, like, this is an incredible work of art, and I just like. Uh, they were ahead of me in like what I wanted to listen to. <laughs> right. <laughs> a little ahead of the curve. And it's a process of discovery, you know, for artists, you know, to keep evolving and in ways, because I don't think we ever want to be static. I think we want to keep, you know, making things and trying different techniques or styles that I think, you know, that speak to us and where we are as artists, what we see and what we do is constantly evolves over a period of time and we change as people. And, it's important for the art to reflect that as well. Yeah. I mean, it's, and it's, I think it's also one of the reasons that like um, artists and art in some ways doesn't exactly fit into like the cookie cutter mold of society because nope. <laughs> a, a, per, a perfect functional component of society is someone who's going to do their role and be like, you know, absolutely dependable and predictable. But like the very, the very idea of art, um, needs a certain amount of change and kind of a variation of energy not not like metaphysical energy but literally like energy levels like bouts of productivity follows by like bouts of rest and it's not consistent it's not predictable no <laughs> even for me like just like i'm trying to do like you know videos now that you know i wouldn't have even considered or maybe had the courage to do like three or four years ago but now it feels like the right time to do that you know i guess it's from interacting with artists and just thinking like wow you know that's amazing you know why can't i try that you know just uh, just to explore that space yep take yeah. the time to explore and and take the time that's a lot of of uh that's something that a lot of people nowadays rush 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 just sit back and take the time that you need to make the art that makes you happy yeah very w wise advice I think that's a, a perfect point to transition to what we're putting in the spotlight this week. And uh, I will I will kick it off. Um, so I wanted to give a shout out this week to um, someone I found through 
Instagram through the online maker community. Um, he's very, he's a super supportive guy um, in terms of just, you know, promoting other people's work. And he makes some amazing stuff himself, which is the reason I'm promoting him is uh, his name is Daniel Ublaces, Um And his Instagram account is multi awesome studio. Um, so he's out of Austria. I think he's right on the border of Austria and Germany near Salzburg. And uh, it's a, I think it's, I can't remember exactly how it describes his studio, but it's like a multidisciplinary creative production studio. So they do, they make physical and animations and um, graphic design and illustrations. And it's, it's very, very creative, um, whimsical work. Um, he had his, I was talking to him in like a big group Zoom call and he was mentioning his like five seconds of fame where he made this, I, I'm, I'm still unsure as to now how much of it is real and how much of it was like animation. Maybe it was all one or the other, but essentially it was like a paintbrush with a tongue on the end. Um, I don't know if it was like a like a silicone tongue or something and it was a little video of like painting with this tongue paintbrush, which is hilarious. Um, but yeah, it was it kind of blew up and got like millions of views on Instagram. <laughs> but he's, he's a really great creative, um, positive guy. Um, who, yeah, it's just a, it's a fun, it's really fun to look at his work. It'll bring joy. Uh, Daniel Ublaces at Multi Awesome Studio. And as with everything else in this episode, I will link it in the show notes. Wonderful. Looking forward to checking that out. And how about you, Stephanie? What's your Into the Spotlight for this episode? Well, uh, into the, well, basically for me, I, just based on what you just said, um, you can uh, you can find my artwork on uh, YouTube, Stephanie Bond Art, or you can find it on Facebook, Stephanie Bond Art as well. But I'm not into Instagram yet, so based on what you just said, maybe I should explore other ways of social media. So uh, <laughs> I feel like Instagram is is a, a big place for artists right now. I think you would you might really enjoy it. There's some people I've been doing... told, I've been told the thing is even just upkeeping Facebook for me. Um, how will I find time to paint if I have so many? <laughs> That's a great point. <laughs> so I I've been, I've been keeping, I've been keeping away from it, but maybe eventually I will step into the unknown. <laughs> okay. Maybe, maybe I know there would be a lot of artists and just people from beyond the Gatsby region who will love to see your artwork. So good, something good to keep in mind. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, Ryan, what are what about you this week? Jeez, I almost forgot. <laughs> so, mine to the spotlight for this week. Um, this was this was hard. This was hard. I was considering a lot of different artists, but I thought since you know, kind of keep the focus on Gas Bay, uh, I thought, well, we might as well continue with the theme of this episode. So, it, mine to the spotlight is the filmmaker and author Paul Almond, a massive, massive, massive inspiration for me growing up he's a filmmaker just a little further down the coast than the village of shigawak um and he grew up um in that village and he went on to working in theater then working for the very first television programs at the canadian broadcasting corporation 1950s and from there he transitioned into a career in feature filmmaking you know and he created and helped produce a lot of interesting and 
fascinating and amazing Canadian art films all throughout the 1960s and 70s. He somehow convinced Paramount Pictures to film um, his feature film Isabel here in the 1960s, which is, I don't know if you, uh, any Canadian filmmaker will, will be able to do that again, but um, just an incredible um, person that I had the honor of being able to meet a few times in my late teens. Um, I met him first when I was 16, when he was talking about um, his filmmaking career and how you know how he was able to achieve that reality and for me growing up very impressionable who wanted to be a filmmaker myself meeting someone like him was kind of like um like meeting like obi-wan kenobi and like the original star wars it was such like an illuminating moment and yeah just being able to meet him a few times and he had to he, he chat he spoke with me about like his filmmaking process and how he became a filmmaker and just the just like the amount of work and effort and how fulfilling it is to be a filmmaker and just being able to speak with him was so inspirational to me as a 17 year old 18 year old because it was around six years ago he passed away and it was because of him like I've decided to go on my path into you know media and filmmaking and you know pursuing this art form so um and he also had a book series called The Alfred Saga, which is like a semi-autobiographical tale about his entire family lineage in the gas bay, starting from his first ancestor that jumped off a boat, a British warship, so he could stay in the gas bay. And then it continues all throughout the ages. And the last book in the series that he published just before he died is called The Inheritor, which is all about Paul's life and how he went, like I mentioned, you know, growing up in a small town in gas bay, then working in theater television feature filmmaking and then transitioning into a novelist in the last stages of his life just an incredible canadian artist and a local gaspesian artist you know someone that you know is very very you know big and big influence and inspiration for me and like we mentioned like we talked about how local art and local artists matters and yeah, that was very important to put a spotlight on him for this episode so check out his works wherever you can and just uh, just keep the memory alive cool yeah i was i yeah you've mentioned before his uh up series and um i i haven't seen it but it sounds I, i'm curious if it was the inspiration for that movie boyhood where it took like 13 years to produce there are similarities it, definitely similarities but the fact that like the seven up series is a documentary series and the fact they interviews right, these boyhood's, kids yeah right boyhood's fictional right boyhood's fictional yes but it's like the similar that sort of jump in time and catching up up with their lives. And I think that's probably like his biggest, uh, probably his most notable work. So yeah, definitely check that out. Cool. So I guess to conclude, Stephanie, thank you so, so, so very much for joining us on this very illuminating and insightful episode. Thank you for sharing your story and your creative process with us. I know that we loved it. Others in Gas Bay and well beyond Gas Bay are going to love it as well. So thank you once again. Thank you guys. Yes. Thank you. All right. Have a great rest of your day. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.